Welcome to our campfire, where we are starting a new series called Asking for a Friend. Now, if you've been around a campfire before, you, you know that you're usually with some close friends, you're telling jokes, laughing, what have you. Guys, I don't know why around a campfire, we just want to burn everything. I don't know, just, just yeah, throw it in the fire or uh, what have you. Um, but a lot of times around a campfire, we are discussing some 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 topics, some questions that we would not normally feel comfortable sharing, but something about the intimacy around a campfire allows us to do that. And so over the next few weeks, uh, you're going to be seeing us talk around a campfire uh, with a group of friends through, through some of the tough topics of today. Here's my hope and our hope, actually our prayer, is that as we have these conversations that we would elevate God's word and not just someone's opinion, okay? And so this whole series, as we go through some of the things that our culture is asking or uh, confused about, what have you, we're going to elevate the words of Jesus, not just what we think. And I I encourage you to do the same. And so uh, the question that we're going to wrestle with today uh, that, I mean, I hear all the time, maybe it's in your head, it's, what is going on with our country? Like, have you ever asked, like, what in the world is going on? Because we are called the United States of America, but you look everywhere, and it, we don't really look as united as we should. We, there's a lot of tension going on in our world, whether it be racial division, political division, and unfortunately, we're seeing this more often, church division. And so we're going to talk about that and elevate God's word. And I brought some friends with me. Uh, let me introduce them. This is Shay Lynn here. Shay Lynn. Uh, she is a small group leader for Velocity, our student ministry, which I just left. So I don't know if that brought any attention. But, uh, but not just that, she's a friend that when we talked about this last year in our student ministry, um, I really leaned on Shay Lynn to, to get different perspectives, get content. Uh, and so she helped a lot with our Velocity team w- with building that. On my far right here, we have Mario Calderon. I've known Mario for over eight years now. Um, started off in creative arts. We, actually, we did everything back then. <laughs> yeah, we were just like, whatever, I, I, you know, fix the lights, what have you, go make a video, uh, I don't know. Uh, and so we did everything back then, but I've known you for, for over eight years, really great friend. Um, more recently, or actually in your transition, you went to uh, planting Gateway Espanol that we have here at, at, at five o'clock uh, on Sundays, and then more recently, director of church planning. And so seeing a lot of these church plants go and helping them out there. Uh, and then we are. Eight years ago, though, we were on a camping trip. Do you remember? Yeah. Uva- it was like outside of Uvalde. And we're sitting around a campfire at night, and it was so dark. And we were just a few of our pastors, and we hear in the distance someone say, Mario Calderon, is that you? Yeah. And we're like, it's more like, Mario? 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 (laughs) We're like, Lord, you speak. Yeah. God, is that you calling Mario back? I don't know. And then we heard, and, and when Mario said, yes, it's me, we heard the next thing was, I knew it was you by the sound of your voice. 
Yeah, I don't know what that means. It was, yeah, it, was, it, was, like, it was kind of freaky. I hadn't seen the guy like in eight years and just out of nowhere. And the funny thing, I actually had an idea who it was as well. has something to do with the voice. At least I was consistent for eight years and it didn't change. You <laughs> there know? you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and we also have, if you don't know, John, who's our lead pastor. Uh, welcome back, by Thank the way. You. Welcome back. Thank you. We spent some time in the Middle East on a missions trip. Then Europe celebrating 25th wedding anniversary Come with Stephanie. On. We are back. Coronavirus. Virus free. Thank you for praying, Mom. Corona Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, hey, John, I'm not going to shake your hand. Uh, yeah. Um, and so John has uh, obviously led our church, but more than that, you have uh, poured into so many people, discipled guys like me and Mario, and continue to disciple and pour into. And so um, welcome to our campfire. We're going to discuss some of these uh, topics uh, today talking about division, and so I'd first like to hear from you, John, um, what has been kind of the, the vision or the heart uh, when it comes to diversity and unity within our church here? We started as a small group, and it grew, our launch, launch team grew to about 23 people, in one meeting we looked around, and the reality was we were all white, and and I knew it was a problem. I was like, no bueno. I mean, where you live in San Antonio? <laughs> this is not just a reflection of the demographics of our city, but it's not a reflection of heaven. Like Revelation says, like every tongue, every tribe is going to be represented. And it was, it was during that time that I became very uh, alarmed. I was concerned. But I came across a, statistic, or a, a quote by Martin Luther King who said, one of the great tragedies in America is that the 11 o'clock hour is the most segregated hour on Sunday than any other time in the week. And I was like, Lord, don't let that be true of us. Don't let that be true of us. And we began to pray and became very intentional with, um, with just wanting our church to look like heaven. And, and it started to happen, and it was beautiful. But uh, I, I, I'm glad that we can have this conversation. And it's now, as we look around this room and we look at our team, look at the stage, we are a reflection of a more healthier uh, reflection of our, of our city and heaven. And I'm just glad that, man, we're not, we're just not in all. How many of you guys are glad we're not in all white church? <laughs> yeah, how many of you guys are glad we're not in all brown church? Yeah. We're in all black church. I, yeah. I, we really do look like heaven. So we're talking from, from an area of strength. However, I'm, I'm very concerned as, as a pastor. This is a topic that we need to lean into, need to have a conversation that, that hopefully this is a catalyst for you to continue to have a conversation over at lunch and, and in your small group because we look at our country and, and it is an issue. I, I grew up, I, and given I grew up in a, as a white guy, and, and I don't remember feeling or sensing that racism was an issue then. I'm glad you grew yeah, up as yeah, a white I had, guy. Like I, I had was, to say, I was say so that. I so confused. That was surprising know. some of you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I didn't, I, racism was like in history. But then a lot of things have happened in the last seven to eight years. And then with so social media and with the political division, it's like I think social media has a way of amplifying whether or not it's true. The perception is that our country is divided right now. And we need to talk about this because we have an opportunity as a church 
to really be the light of God and be the, the reflection of his character and nature in a dark world. And I was just reading in Luke yesterday that talks about the importance of, of being salt. And when salt loses its flavor, it's no good. But the salt brings in great seasoning. And it's, it, we need to be that in our community, in our city, in our country. And so we have an opportunity to discover what God's word says, discover uh, the truth, and then and act that out. Yeah, and so as we have this discussion today, I want to clarify a few things. Um, I want to clarify that we are not the spokesperson for any race, uh, age, generation, gender. Like Mario is not the spokesperson for all Hispanics, okay? Uh, I'm not the spokesperson for all Asian Pacific. That's what I check, okay? I don't even know. I'm mixed. Um, John is not the spokesperson for all white people. Shaylin's not the spokesperson. Can, can you help? What's appropriate? Can we say black people? Can we say, what do we say, African-American? I, I mean, I just, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, okay? Totally what? understand. I personally have no problem with black. That's just me, but, you know. Okay, all that. right. So, we're, all right. So, Shaylin's not the spokesperson for all black people. I mean, we all have different uh, uh, cultural backgrounds, different experiences, and so uh, I wanted to clarify that, but, but two, um, the reality is we won't have enough time to share as much as we'd love to um, in, in this, just this amount of time that we have, so my encouragement is for you. Again, we want to elevate God's word. My encouragement is you to, to search and look for yourself. Search the truth, but also, again, have a campfire of your own, whether that be in a small group, uh, whether that be getting some friends, and have uh, just this open discussion and, and let it be healthy because, again, the, the Lord wants us to be unified. And so I'm excited for what, what, what's going to happen um, over the next few weeks. We're going to discover a lot of different things. And so I'd first like to start, Mario, if you can share uh, with us, maybe have you experienced any uh, uh, mistreatment, any uh, prejudice, opposition, maybe even some stereotype um, just because of the color of your skin? Uh, well, yeah, surprisingly, uh, it, it came through the voice of, of my pastor that was actually going to hire me. It was my opportunity to enter into the second ministry. Uh, and uh, before I moved, because I had to transition from Chicago to North Carolina, things had gotten serious. The interview, you know, mostly approved. But then he calls me and he tells me, Mario, I just want to let you know about something. You and Vanessa, you guys are interracially married. She's white and you're Hispanic. And I just found out and I've been noticing some people disagree with that. They actually believe that it is sin. So I just wanted to let you know before you pack all your belongings and move cross country that you are okay with it. It was, it was, it was, it was shocking at first, but uh, through that conversation, it was just seconds, the Holy Spirit says, so like, Mario, it's, that, that doesn't change anything. You know, if I wasn't a Christian, it was, if I wasn't a believer, maybe I would have thought, it's like, you know what, I would have lived in fear, and I would have said, no, I'm not moving, I'm not going to that place, but instead, Holy Spirit said, you know what, this is a great opportunity for you to go and live and be who you are. I mean, I united you, you and Vanessa, and it's a great opportunity. If you run into that type of opposition, then I'll be there with you, and uh, I'm happy to say because of that boldness and because I took that step of faith, I was able to build partnership, relationships, and uh, 
that it's in a weird way, I'm actually here because of them because they spoke into my life. But at the same time, I have a family that even now we take vacations together. So it's just a great experience for us. But it was shocking at first and getting that phone call. So it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've had some stereotypes too. I'm here in San Antonio. A little old lady comes up to me like, do you speak Spanish? And I was like, no. She goes, mijo, you need to learn your culture. I'm from Hawaii. She's like, let me pray for you. You know, I just, it's so funny. Everyone, I mean, I eat a lot of tacos, so it made me. So anyway, Shaylin, what about you? Maybe some stereotypes or mistreatment or opposition that you faced? Yeah, well, for me, I feel very blessed to not actually have any stories of being discriminated against or mistreated because of my race. And I know that's not the story for everyone. And of course, my heart goes out to anyone who has faced that. But for me personally, the biggest issue I've seen has been stereotypes. So I feel like maybe just because of the color of my skin, sometimes people just assume things about me. They might assume that I celebrate holidays in a certain way. Sometimes people just assume that I know the latest dance crazes and <laughs> can leave them in that. I've had many occasions people look at me like when can a song comes on. you teach me how to Dougie yes. Shaylin? Like, okay, I'm still learning I mean, this myself. Why? <laughs> Don't look to me. But um, actually just um, a week ago, I was at the post office and I was sitting next to an older white gentleman and he was talking about the coronavirus because I mean, that's the topic of conversation. And he was saying how he hated how they were politicizing the coronavirus. And I'm just kind of sitting there nodding as he's talking to me. And then I notice as he's talking about it, he starts talking about Trump and he kind of pauses. He's kind of walking on eggshells and he's talking about Trump as if he assumes that I just don't like Trump or have some distaste for him, something like that. And then I really don't know how this happened. He started talking about Obama. I'm like, where did this come from? But <laughs> some connection somewhere. But I guess he wanted to show that he was a balanced guy. So he started talking about Obama and like basically saying it in ways that of course you love Obama and of course you support Obama. And I gave no indication to him whether I leaned right or whether I leaned left. But it was pretty much solely from the color of my skin he was making these assumptions. And Unfortunately, this is not something unusual. I've had many instances um, where this has happened or people kind of just assume something based on the color of my skin. And when this happens, I don't get upset or you know, get offended because I know a lot of times when we meet new people, the big thing we're trying to do is just trying to make a connection with them. But unfortunately, the connection he thinks he's making or connection he's trying to make is a connection based off of assumptions and not off of reality. And so my big thing there is just when you meet people, especially if you meet someone of color, like just, I mean, be mindful of it. I mean, that's kind of what I've experienced that instead of getting to know me as an individual, people kind of get to know me based off of their assumptions without getting to know the actual me. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've made that mistake before. I mean, we have someone on staff and uh, I don't know, we were grilling out or something and he had a jalapeno hot dog and he took a bite and he's like, oh, this is too hot. I was like, bro, you're Hispanic. You don't like spicy food? He goes, I'm Puerto Rican, bro. And I was like, is there a difference? And it was like, it was so bad. I didn't know. Please forgive me. I just didn't know. And I was like, I thought we, you guys all like. They don't even need pepper. <laughs> They don't like to yeah, eat pepper. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's I too didn't spicy know that. for them. See, where I'm from Hawaii, we eat it. everything. So just, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, 
we jokingly talk about that, but how many times, uh, even in when we walk into church, do we make that assumption? How, how many times when we, we, uh, we stereotype even people, and we're saying race, but, but age. Like, how, how often have you gone out of your way to, to go and meet someone in this church of a different generation? See, I think, and I'm a former student pastor, I think that's where we're lacking the most, where my, my heart is to see young people learn some wisdom from some, some older people, but also some older people to invest into the younger generation. But unfortunately, we have a stereotype, and we assume, just even in that, oh, they don't want to listen, or they're just, you know, and, and so, taking what Shaylin said, man, how, how often do we subconsciously do that, even in the church world, where we make uh, assumptions of people, and the reality is, we just came off of a, a series called Soul Winning, where we said every soul matters. Every soul matters, and so it's such a big deal. But John, why don't you share with us? I mean, scripturally, what is what does God's word say when it comes to specifically racial division? Right. Let's start with Jesus. All right, he was born in first century in the Middle East, where there was a lot of racism: Jews and Gentile, also with Samaria, you know, Samaria, all these countries. They were at war with each other, literally, but also even because of their ethnicity. And Jesus comes on the scene, and he, he begins to teach and live his way in a way that ref, reflects no racism. Uh, remember the story of the Good Samaritan. Like he, Jesus intentionally chooses the person, the hero of the story that was not a Jew, but a person from Samaria who was half Gentile, half Jew, to be the hero of the story. It would have been like him sitting around a campfire with some white ministers and the hero of the story is a black Muslim. He not only teaches stories, but he lived it out. Like the, the story when he's in Samaria at the, at the well, which would have been like a modern day coffee shop. And he's by himself and a woman comes up. And so here Jesus, a Jewish male rabbi, is, is, has been taught, don't even talk to or touch an unclean person from Samaria. But Jesus gives time and attention and love to an immoral woman from Samaria. And he goes on and on in his teachings to say, hey, there's no, there's no room for racism, prejudice, or discrimination at the table of God. And it, there's no room for it in the kingdom of God. And if that is true, which it is, then there should be no room for it in our church family. There should be no room for it in our small groups. And, and so I'm grateful for the teachings of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the New Testament, to James chapter 2. James is a half-brother of Jesus, and he got to watch Jesus uh, model, showing no partiality. He was no respecter of persons, and he watched him take care of his mom. He watched him take care of orphans, the poor, the sick. Uh, and, and he says this in James chapter 2, verse 9. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's remembering Jesus' words to, to not only love God with all of your heart, soul, and strength, but you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Like racism at the root of it is loving yourself more than you love other people. And Jesus is saying, love your neighbor. And so James says that, but he goes, you do well. But if you show partiality, listen, if you show partiality, you commit sin. 
and convicted by the law as transgressors. So we must love everybody the way that Jesus loves. And we must treat racism the way that Jesus would treat it. It's not a skin issue. It is a sin issue. And we've got to call it out for what it is. Yeah, Mario, I know you, you have some insight too. Yeah, going back and more to the word of God. And I love the way that the apostle Paul talks about it. You know, ultimately he's known as the apostle to the Gentiles. And once he got converted, obviously he would be the one to, to kill those who weren't believers. And I mean, Christians and following, but something happened in his life. And now this is what he writes to the people in Rome. He says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to who? To all who call upon him. What an amazing thing, an opportunity, an open door to reach out to the Lord of Lords for anybody who calls the name of God. And uh, he, he came to understand how amazing God was because something special happened. If we read the book of Acts in chapter 10, before he converted, something amazing happened. It was Peter who had a vision to go to uh, the Gentiles' home, and he had to speak to Cornelius in his home, and he... It, the only thing he knew what to do was to preach the gospel, and he did that. He started preaching the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the middle of him preaching, something happened. The Holy Spirit yeah. interrupted him. And what happened? Holy Spirit baptized the Gentiles. And I am so glad that the Holy Spirit is not a racist. Yeah. He came upon the Gentiles, and that's why we have that gift now of the Holy Spirit. It comes upon us. We, we call upon the name of the Lord. He, he comes upon us. And one of the things that I've learned as I, as I minister the Word of God, and it's just loving people for who they are, and I've truly seen that uh, unity does not require uniformity, like being robots being the same. Imagine if we all had the same personality, if we enjoyed the same food, and it, it'd just be so boring, man. Um, I, I, I love the fact that being an Espanol pastor, uh, everybody assumes they're all Mexican. We're not all Mexicans. There's diversity. There's Puerto Ricans, people from Salvador, people from Puerto Rico. I've eaten the most delicious uh, uh, arroz con gandules uh, from the, I mean, borricuas. Come on. Come on. I love it. It's such a, a joyous adventure to, to embrace diversity uh, and just seek to understand, and, and just, it'd be so boring if we were all the Here's same. Here's an interesting question, then, since you started Gateway Espanol. Um, we're striving for unity, right, uh, and within the diverse culture. Might be an interesting question, but why start a Gateway Espanol, then? So why separate the English and Spanish people? So I, I think it's just based on language. Um, imagine you moving to France and you had an opportunity to go to a church in French. Obviously, you would go to try and learn, but what does your heart really sing and how could you express yourself? So if you had an opportunity to go to a bilingual church that was both French and English, you'd, of course, go to a bilingual church to express yourself and be in community with them. So we're creating this opportunity, not that we're trying to segregate. And the best part is that you guys are all welcome to come to Gateway Espanol at 5 p.m. to on. embrace a little bit of flavor and culture as well so and vice versa just this morning i saw uh, a family from espanol here because they have uh, uh, certain commitments in the evening so they come in english so there's just actually unity there's more options so. that's yeah. fantastic that's fantastic well i know it's important for us to know god's word and, and i and i don't think i 
there's much convincing that needs to happen for you to understand that this is the heart of Jesus. Here's the question I'd love to ask you, Shaylin. Um, why is it so important for us to not just understand, but to actually take action? Why is it so important for us to not just know what God says when it comes to specifically racial division? Uh, why is it so important for us to, to be a part of making sure that we have this unity? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, one of the things I've just realized, just kind of walking through life during my short 20-something years of life, but still, I'm observant, is that our biases can affect how we treat people. And when people know that we're Christians or we tell people that we're Christians, the way we treat people a lot of times affects how people may see God and whether they may even want to become a Christian in the first place. Because sometimes we, people as Christians, we're the only Jesus that people see. They may never go to a church, they may never read a Bible, but when they see you and they see your actions, that's how they know like what Christianity is or what it means to be a Christian. And to kind of illustrate this, I have a really short story. There was a young man in India, and he was a devout Hindu. But he, as a student, and began to read the Bible and began to study God's word. And he became very interested in the teachings of Jesus because he saw through the teachings of Jesus that maybe, just maybe, this could be the answer to the caste system that divided India. So because he was interested, he decided that he was going to a local church that Sunday to speak to one of the ministers. When he went to the local church, instead of being welcomed in, he was essentially stopped at the door, kind of looked up and down by an usher and told that he was not welcome there, and instead that he should worship amongst his own people. Not one to fight, the man turned away, never to return to church again, thinking to himself, well, if Christianity has a caste system, I might as well remain Hindu. This man wasn't just an ordinary man. This man was Gandhi, the man who's known as the father of India, who's known for his political activism and religious pluralism and fighting for the rights of others. And just think about what it would have been like if instead of being turned away, he instead got to go to the church and potentially become a Christian. I think it's so important when we hear a story like this to really reflect and see if there's any of the usher in us. I know we could be so quick to be like, absolutely not. I would absolutely never turn anyone away or discriminate against anyone. But sometimes we have biases that are so subtle that we don't even realize it. We maybe grew up a certain way or maybe family members have always told us a certain thing about a certain race or a certain generation or a certain people. And so we have to be so, so, so vigilant in making sure that our hearts are right because our biases affect how we treat people. And then as we see in this story, how we treat people can affect whether they come to Christ or not. Yeah. Wow. And, and you know what? I mean, golly. That's so good. And you, you're talking about how we treat people, but uh, also there's something that you guys said that, that I caught. Um, you also have to be unoffendable, too. Like, uh, not only that, you know, that you have to be uh, cautious of making assumptions, stereotypes, but, but from hearing just even your guys' stories, you guys just took an opportunity not to be offended. And so I, I felt like saying that because... Um, 
I get it. I know what it's like to even walk on eggshells, so what can I say or not? Uh, but imagine if we were just committed to each other that we wouldn't break fellowship uh, because of just a minor un- misunderstanding. You know, Scripture says this, in the end times to come, there's going to be all these famines, rumors, of wars. And I caught this, that it said uh, also that people will be, and many people will be offended. How interesting that, uh, man, in our culture, we see that today, that, uh, you know, something is said or something is taken wrong, and, and we just are quick to be offended. Man, what if we were unoffendable, that we were quick to forgive, quick to, to love each other? And, um, man, that would it, it'd be incredible to see what the body of Christ does uh, when we show that love for each other. And so, I mean, I'm talking practically, what are some ways, maybe Mario and John, you guys were intentional early on, but what are some practical ways that we can um, really just uh, fight, I mean, fight against uh, any racial division, any division at all um, in, in our church, in our context? Yeah, ultimately it comes down to being just uh, almost sometimes just uh, selfish, ignorant, and not willing to be patient with, with anybody else who's either just a little bit different or even they speak differently and more slow or incorrectly. or like It's just like what are we expecting from them? I, I want them to, to understand me, to give me the service that I require, but instead it's like, you know what? Let me slow down. Let me just be patient. Let me love. Let me embrace. And uh, I, I, just, I just think, like, that is the core of it all, just selfishness in, in sin and what we do. So the, the other recommendation practically of what we can do is truly embracing uh, somebody else who, 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 is, who is different from you. I mean, look, look, look to your left and your right, and who do you call? Who do you hang out with? Who are your friends? And what's your group of friends? And uh, if you're all the same, man, you, you need some diversity in your life. You need to really experience something different. And I go back to a simple example when we planted Espanol Church. It's really amazing what God is doing now. I would probably say if we took a survey, we'd probably be like, we probably are 60%. <laughs> Puerto Rican. And that's what God has sent to us. And just the amazing things that I've learned from them. I mean, pan sobao, it's a different kind of bread, and I, and I love it. And you then, cannot keep talking about food. I'm hungry, man. Thing. I know. We got we to go marshmallows eat uh, over La Marginal Puerto Rican food right now. But another funny thing, it's like uh, Domino's. They've introduced me to the world of Domino's, and now it's become an addiction to me. So pray for me. Uh, it's, it's an amazing game. But again, if I want to embrace, but even beyond that, obviously God sent me sent us those people here and they're around the community here Lotus, but are we being intentional and being patient and asking the questions we, with, with the intention of getting to know them? Uh, be careful on how you ask the questions too. If you go with a set of list of questions and it's going to be obvious that you are, you're just being nosy versus intentionally wanting to build a relationship or, or with completing them. completing so, a task. Like, hey, yeah. tell me everything I need to know yep. about Hispanics now. Make go. them, make them feel uncomfortable. Weird, right? Why don't you? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so think about a long-haul relationship. How could you pour into them and get to know them and love them and whatnot? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Shaylin, what about you? Some practicals. Yeah, for me, I think just a really simple practical, especially as people of faith, is to just pray and pray for God to give us eyes like he has. I see people the way he sees people. And I know some people are like, oh, I already see people that way. I'm colorblind. You're not colorblind. You see races, and it's okay. God made the different races, and it's totally acceptable. But we can't let 
um, people's, the color of people's skin affect how we treat people, whether we treat them better or treat them worse, but instead see them how God sees them. They, God sees them as individuals, and so we should see people as individuals. Along with that is for God to give us a heart to love people like he loves them, that we look beyond skin color, beyond culture, beyond age difference, instead just love them unconditionally. So that's practical. So good. John? Yeah. You were handed an index card when you came in. If you could take that out, and I want you to write down a verse that I'd love for us to memorize this week. Really meditate on this verse. It's John chapter 15, verse 12. It says, this command I give to you, to love each other as I have loved you. How many of you are grateful that God has loved you so much? Even though you're not perfect, he loves you. You are for whom he died. And every person... In this room, every person that is different than you is made in the image of God, all right? Every person matters to the Lord. And so I want us to pray as we meditate on this verse, like, Lord, really help me to love other people, to value, to treasure people who are different. And then let's be very intentional. This week, I want to give you a practical challenge. I want you to spend some time with someone who's different than you. All right. Whether it be different in your political affiliation, sexual orientation, faith tradition, skin color. I want you to spend time. Maybe it's uh, over coffee or better yet, invite them over your house and really listen to a story. Like really value them and spend time. Here's three L's I want you to write down. Listen, learn and love. Listen, learn and love. Like really listen. And, and when you build up enough trust, I mean, I think it's all right to ask a good bridge building question. Like help me understand what was life growing up to be you? Help me understand and, and just listen and learn and allow God to give you a love. And I think if we do this collectively, not only are we going to be a light in our community, but we're going to see the bond of our fellowship grow closer. Because we can come together once a week and worship and it is important. And we can, it's, it's like dress rehearsal for heaven, right? But we need to embrace when we come together in our small groups, on family nights, to celebrate our strengths, to celebrate what's unique to our culture. Like come and bring your favorite foods. Bring the enchiladas. Bring the pasta. Mm. Bring the collard Amen. greens, all right? Like let's, our kids are going to play with each other. Let's spend time together and, and watch what God, because if we are unified, like Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, as we are one, make them one. And as we are one, you watch what the Lord will do as we are a light in our community. Because I want to empower you. Uh, those of you, all of us who are of different color, we need to have more leaders. Ser serve your way to leadership. There's small group leaders, pastors on our team. We need to empower and send out church planners and missionaries that are reflective of, our, of, of heaven and, and the uniqueness and the differences in, in our church family. So let's do that together. I, I, I hope we have time. Um, Grizz, could you maybe give us a shorter answer? But politics is a big issue. This is a voting year. Tell us as Christians who we should vote for. All right, because in like two minutes, <laughs> you got it right, right now. Thirty seconds, like, right, here bro. We go. Like, all right, I need you to make a campaign right now, uh, man. I've been studying uh, just how. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. What a setup. Uh, <laughs> I've been studying a little bit of religion and politics and, and what that means in our culture. And um, here's the reality. I'm going to break it down like this. Um, if you were giving me the task uh, to, to prove or what have you that Jesus is a Republican, 
I could probably go in scripture and find scriptures that support that political party. On the other side, if you were giving me a task to prove that Jesus was a Democrat, I could probably go in scripture and prove that he was that political party. Um, and, and I say that uh, because many times uh, what we get caught up in is what our lens and our filter is actually, actually is. Many times we get so caught up of putting our political filter before our fil- faith filter that we, that we start looking through a lens that God doesn't want us to look through first. Primarily, we should be kingdom people. That our identity shouldn't be in what political party that we're in. Our identity should be that we are sons and daughters of the king. That we are kingdom-minded first. And so I say that because I, I know people are still like, okay, what, which party though? Um, here, here's the reality. Jesus knew that we were going to have division. You mentioned John 17, and so I'll talk about that. Jesus knew we were going to have division, and he prayed for our unity. Can you imagine? Like, if if you want to pray for something, don't just pray, God bless me and do all this stuff for me. Pray for the unity, because that's what Jesus prayed. But it's so interesting. In John 17, it says, hey, Lord, make them as one, as we are as one for a purpose. And the purpose was this so that they would know that you sent me. So here's the reality. Jesus prayed and cared about our oneness and our unity because it was mission critical. He's basically saying, hey, I know that my church is going to be diverse when it comes to political party. Some will believe one standpoint, some will be others. But for us, that's a perfect opportunity for us to disagree politically and love unconditionally. Come on, if we have Democrats, Republicans, independent, whatever in this room, but at the same time as though we disagree, we say, hey, we disagree, but the kingdom is more important. Guess what we tell them outside those doors? We're saying, hey, we might think this way, but we stand for Jesus before we stand for a red or blue party. Yeah, that's so good. And so here's what I want you to understand when it comes to, uh, you know, our unity. Don't sacrifice our unity for the sake of eternities. Don't break fellowship because of a disagreement here in this room for the sake of someone's eternity. May they know us by our love for each other. I'll leave with this. Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. He came to take over. And so we need to be kingdom-minded people first before or if you look at the cost of discipleship. Our value and our identity in Jesus should, shouldn't even come in comparison to our identity in our politics. But unfortunately, we do that. So here's a question I'll pose for you guys, a better question than, hey, which political party should I stand for? Here's a tough question that most of us don't like answering. Are you willing to follow Jesus when following Jesus may separate you a little bit from your political party? Are you willing to follow Jesus when following Jesus might separate you from your cultural background and values? That's a tough question to ask. But if your answer is generally yes, then you are kingdom-minded people before you are political. Because guess what? When we're all in heaven, who cares? We're going to be united under one king, one body, and one